So now it's 30 plus years later. Does that mean I can't be housed? I have a job making five figures. I'm a social worker. So I've done everything that was required to me to be a good citizen. And yet and still, a background check is going to prevent me from getting a, a, an apartment when I can pay 40 times the monthly rent. Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda Salgado. For many formerly convicted New Yorkers, housing is a key part of re-entering society, but it's also one of the hardest things to secure. Landlords often turn away people with criminal backgrounds. Right now, there's no policy in New York City preventing housing providers from discriminating against people with convictions when they apply for housing. Anyone has the right to conduct a criminal background check and approve or deny an application because of it. The Fair Chance Act aims to change that by making it an unlawful discriminatory practice for housing providers to do criminal background checks or inquire about arrest or conviction records at any stage in the application process. Today, I talked to two formerly incarcerated New Yorkers about their experiences getting housing and what a fair chance would mean to them. Sixty-seven-year-old Hilton Webb was released from Ulster Correctional Facility in July of 2017. He has a job as a social worker helping New Yorkers who are dealing with drug addictions. But even now, 30-plus years since his arrest, he's still struggling to find an apartment. Where am I from? I was born in Queens, raised in Manhattan. Spent most of my time, most of my life in New York. Yeah, um, 67-year-old black man, uh, social worker, living in Manhattan. Well presently living in Manhattan in the support of housing and looking for housing. Can you just give me like a brief timeline of the events? So, for example, wait, your conviction and things like that? Sure. I was arrested on uh, November 13th, 1989 for a crime I did not commit. And I was convicted and sent upstate in uh, 1991. And I spent the next 27 years, nine months and three days in incarcerated in various uh, New York State uh, penal institutions. I was 34. I was born in 1955, so in 1989, I was 34. So now it's 30-plus years later. Does that mean I can't be housed? I have a job making five figures. I'm a social worker. The state of New York Department of Education gave me my diploma after making me wait six months after I passed the test. Department of Corrections gave me a certificate of uh, relief from disabilities. The Office of Professional Conduct did a, a thorough investigation of everything. They went over my sentencing minutes, my conviction, and everything else. And they've determined that I'm a good enough character to be a licensed master's of social work. This is after I did the two years and got the grades together. And all of that attests to my good character. So I've done everything that was required to me to be a good citizen, and yet still, a background check is going to prevent me from getting an apartment when I can pay 40 times the monthly rent. Immediately following your release, I definitely want to know what that was like and what it was, what kind of resources were the hardest to get and what it was like to get housing right after. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? I mean, for me, I was released on a Wednesday, July the 16th, 2017. And I didn't have a place to stay. 
you know, there was no family members that were willing to put me up. And I called my friend and he said, why don't you go to the Fortune Society? I uh, got me a subway map and figured out how to get there and went to Long Island City to the Fortune Society. And that was the best move I could have made. I'll never forget her name, well, Vilma. She just gave me this big hug and told me, welcome home. And that was actually the first moment that I actually felt that I was home. Mm. I never mean, she, she speaks at our rallies and she's, she's an advocate with me in this. And she had to go through what I'm going through now, but a little earlier than me, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so I went to the Fortune Society. Unfortunately, at the time, there was no beds. But uh, one of the guys who did my intake, Mr. Jose Rosa, he was able to hook me up with a spot in um, in a shared living space in Far Rockaway. And uh, like I said, well, I was fortunate because my friend, Stu, says, I got you, baby. Don't worry about how much is it. And when they told me how much it was, it was $800 a month for a room in this building in Far Rockaway, Beach 68th Street. I went there and I stayed there. And uh, then I started going to the Thursday night meetings in the Fortune Society. And uh, after a couple of, about a month or so, two months, they called me on a Friday after a Thursday night meeting and said, um, you know, Louis Garistecki called me and says, hey, I got a spot for you. Pack your shit, come on down. I says, you know, Lewis, I'm really happy you have a spot for me. But there was this other guy um, who's living on Ward's Island. And if you know anything about the shelter system, 30th Street is bad. Maybe Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn is worse. And Ward's Island is actually the ninth level of Dante's Inferno. So uh, Lewis said, well, you know, you may not may pig a while to get a spot. I said, well, that's what it does. It takes a while. I'm, somehow I'll manage. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Gave the spot to that guy, and then about a, two weeks later, he called me. He said, listen, you ready now? He says, yeah, I'm ready, and I moved to the Fletcher Society. So that was about, I guess, October, November of 2017, and I've been there ever since, and I've been extremely fortunate because if it wasn't for being there, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, I got a SERPA certificate, Certified Recovery Peer Advocate Certificate, to Queensboro Community College, and then I decided that I wanted to do more and uh, using the facilities and the uh, connections with Fortune Society, I was connected with the College Initiative at John Jay and with some help of a really good counselors there. I made an application to the social work program at Lehman College, and I didn't know it was as tough to get in there as I just, I didn't know. Sometimes ignorance is, is bliss. I probably wouldn't have applied if I knew how difficult it was when I applied anywhere. Anyway, I wrote a letter, and I'm a pretty good writer, and they called me for an interview when I got into Lehman in there. In 2019, I started Lehman. And in 2021, I graduated two years with my degree and $42,000 in debt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I took my um, licensing test in October of 21, passed it, first shot. And then six months later, roughly, they finally issued my uh, license after I'd been investigated thoroughly as i explained earlier in the conversation yeah and uh when i finally got it i sent you know emails out hey i got my license here it is and um uh on point nyc said well why don't you come down for another interview i'd done about four interviews with them already trailed for three days you know so here i am working in uh at one point nyc one of the only two safe injection sites in the whole country Working in harm reduction, working with a population I love, 
who needs to be comforted. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an odd juxtaposition to be working in an area with people who aren't housed and I'm not housed. Mm-hmm. It's kind of very weird. I assume you did, but have you tried going on your own to like look for places to rent? And if so, what, what has that process been like? Well, I'm old school guy, so I always knew the, you know, when I first got my apartment in my first apartment in 1973. And uh, the way we used to do is we go, we go up to a building, we have a super and talk to the super. And um, that's how I got my first apartment on Ocean Avenue in Brooklyn a million years ago. <laughs> and uh, I did that. And I'd knock on the door and see an apartment that looked, this is a good building, good location, and talk to the super. And he says, anything I should know? He says, yeah, well, you know, I, I was in prison. He says, well, my life, the boss ain't going to want that. I says, but you know, it's just 30 years ago. He says, it doesn't matter. You're going to do a background check. And as soon as that comes up, you're going to be denied because you were incarcerated. And I, that happened more times than I wanted to think about. Now, at the time, I wasn't even working. But like I said, I have a, a friend of mine who's been looking out for me, sort of my angel. And he says, listen, man, you find the apartment. I'll take care of first month's last. First month, last month, security. We'll get the place furnished. Yet and still, being as fortunate as I am, I'm still living in supportive housing. And it's ridiculous. Similar to Hilton, 53-year-old Lizzie Corrette feels that she's being punished twice for a crime that's already been dealt with. Lizzie was released in May of 2008, and getting used to life was challenging. Over the years, she's been living in different places, shelters, three-quarter houses, and friends' couches. Lizzie has also tried applying to different apartments, but gets denied when they find out about her background. My mother was white. My father was black. I was adopted by the Correttes. Um, I've been in and out of foster care, and um, I wanted to be adopted. I wanted a family, so they adopted me at the age nine. The family's been good to me. You know, like, I have, I have my ups and downs, you know. I have my ups and downs. You know, if it wasn't for them, I'd still be where I'm at. I don't know what I'd be or how I would be, but, you know, it, the corrects were good to me, you know what I'm saying? They gave me, you know, they gave me life. Now, as far as getting arrested, my family was very, very upset, especially when I got pregnant. You know, I was young, 15, got pregnant. My mother could not understand that. Um, she was not happy about it, so she put me in a psychiatric ward. So I stood there until I decided to let them check me out. And I was actually three months pregnant, so they couldn't, you know, I refused to get an abortion. Um, then I had my son uh, at 15, 1985, May 8th. After that, I just started getting in trouble. Like, you know, I just felt like I couldn't be myself. You know, I was a mother at a young age, and I just felt tied down. So, you know, every time my mother would be like, oh, you're still young, you need to be a mother, you need to act like a mother, you need, you know. I guess all that kind of made me run away. So I ran away. And when I ran away, she said, never come back. I didn't come back. Um, and then I wound up getting arrested for a crime that I didn't commit, even though I pleaded guilty. Um, I did 16 and a half years in um, incarcerated. Came home in 2008. Um, been home since then. Um, never got in any trouble. Been in and out of shelters. Um, now I'm a little bit stable, but not quite stable. I can't say this is my own, but the person who's letting me stay here, you know, gives me enough opportunity to, I guess, to get my own when I have it, you know? They're not rushing me. 
you know, it's better to have your own instead of dealing with, you know, the shelter. The shelters, I mean, I've been to shelters a lot. Not easy being in the shelter. Once you got out, what was life like right after? Like, oh my God. So the first day I came out, I was like, can I get a quarter to make a phone call? Person that I paroled home to, he was like, oh, I got a phone. I was like, phone? We didn't have no phones. I mean, we used pay phones. Unless you had a house phone. And then he was like, no, he'd take my phone and make a phone call. I said, how do you use that? <laughs> and um, he showed me, and then I called my sister. I called her and she said, yeah, I'm gonna come over there later. So she came over and um, it was good. Like I felt awkward, scared. It took me almost a year to get used to being home because I felt like people were following me. Like I always looked up my shoulder. What home did you go to? So did you go to your I sister's house? I was to my fiance's house. Oh. I was going to his house until he put hands to me and dad. My parole officer said I couldn't stay there anymore. So I was in and out of a shelter. And then finally, a friend of mine let me stay at her house. But then parole officer found out that that wasn't permanent. So I wound up going into a three-quarter house. And from a three-quarter house, I went into a housing for solution and stayed there for four years. Did you ever try to get an apartment by yourself? Um, I tried as much as I can. But the jobs that I had, you had to have money. Back then, it wasn't that expensive to get an apartment back then. But it was hard because when the background check, they come back and be like, no. Can you tell me a little bit more about those experiences, like especially when you tried to find an apartment for yourself? So last year, before I got disabled, I was working for this corporate building. I was uh, self-employed. I was a housekeeper. And I was making 3000 every month. Books got me this interview with a broker in Manhattan. And I went there, and everything went smoothly. We saw the house, you know, the apartment. It was a studio. It was good enough for me. Um, and it, it was my bracket, like it hit my bracket. I could pay for it. It was 1600 and it was perfect. So when we got downstairs to, uh, you know, complete the, because they show you the place and then they complete the interview by asking you questions and everything. And then you're supposed to fill out the application. So he asked me a few questions. After I filled out the application, he asked me a few questions. He came back and was like, no, I'm not approved. I said, why? He said, because you have a background. We did a background check and then your, your credit score. I said, my credit score is not that bad, but my background shouldn't um, condemn me, you know. He said, well, we, we can't, you know, we can't allow it. And I was devastated because they didn't want me because of my background. I did my time, came home. I haven't had any police contact. So why is it that I can't get an apartment? Why should my background when there, I, there's probably people who haven't gotten caught that's doing dirt now. They just never got caught. It's like when I went to the city hall and I spoke my testimony, it hurt me. I cried because it bothered me, you know what I mean? That I have to sit here and, and, and hope that you see me differently, you know? Like, I want people to see me as a person that, that has been rehabilitated, who has learned her lesson, who has came forward and done everything she could to stay in society and to be an uh, idol, an idol model to other women who hasn't had a chance to speak for themselves. I want people to see me as that person, not the person that I was back, back then doing drugs, getting into trouble. No, I'm, I'm 53 years old. You know, I did my time. 
I came home and I showed society that I can stay home without getting in trouble. I am who I am now. With the goal of making it easier for New Yorkers like Lizzie and Hilton to find a home, a coalition of organizations, advocacy groups, and legal services have been pushing for the Fair Chance for Housing Act. You can learn more and support the bill by visiting fairchancehousing.org. For more ways to get involved in your community, visit us at epicenter-nyc.com. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting us as we do our best to support our community. We couldn't do it without you. And if you're not already a member, sign up today by using the link in our show notes. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Caravica. You can find more of their music on their website linked to in our podcast description.